Hello and welcome to another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, let's talk lineups. Now that Carl Anthony Towns is back, I want to take a look at three-man lineups for Towns, both last season and so far this season. How might head coach Chris Finch manipulate his lineups to try and keep some of his best players, Towns, Rudy Gobert, and also Nas Reed on the floor at the same time? I also want to preview Sunday's Wolves-Warriors matchup. It's a big one in the Western Conference playoff race. It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Timberwolves don't play till Sunday, but we've got a packed show today talking towns, lineups, Nas, Rudy Gobert. How does Finch get all these guys on the floor at the same time? And who else should they be playing with based on the lineup data? And then also previewing Wolves Warriors, a massive game on Sunday. It's all coming on the show today. First, a big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Locked On Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find this show. Also, Locked On Wolves, along with all the other Locked On Minnesota podcasts, are available on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Again, the app is on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also, of course, follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon. And that's with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, Big Wolves win on Wednesday. Uh, of course, the post game pod we did on Thursday, uh, the, the show before this one, we talked about um, all things Towns, all things Timberwolves defense. I focused a lot on how the Wolves defended Trey Young and the adjustments that they made, that Chris Finch made. Uh, based on who was in the game for the Wolves, wh- what the personnel was, right? Like, was Trey Young on the floor for the Hawks? Was Rudy or Cat on the floor or Nas on the floor for the Wolves? And and the Wolves really adjusted their coverages throughout the game. I thought that was fascinating. And a related conversation is related. Related conversation is, uh, I mean, I guess related. Yeah, related conversation is related to the Wolves' big rotation. Um, and Chris Finch was asked about this after the game, about Nas specifically, and I, I'm going to read the uh, the transcri- transcribed quote from Chris Finch. He said, Nas played offensively like he didn't try to change how he played. Defensively, he was really good. He got his hands on a bunch of stuff. I talked about this on the show, by the way, side note, about how good Nas was defensively. Remember, he got a couple of steals against Trey Young by just clogging passing lanes, recovery on defense, getting his hands, you know, using his wingspan, his intelligence to just kind of be in the way. Um, and that was big down the stretch against Atlanta. Uh, picking Finch's quote back up. Finch says, quote, he guarded well. He's been one of our better players all year. We got to find a way to make the two big lineup work. It has to be who we are in these last eight games. We have the flexibility to go a lot of different directions. But when a guy's playing this well, he deserves to be out there in some form or fashion. It's my job to figure it out. End quote. Um, Towns, when he was on the floor, he was always on the floor with Rudy or Nas Reed. So effectively, he was playing the four the entire game. I mean, technically with Nas, I think you'd call Reed the four and Cat the five. But Towns was never the lone big on the floor. And very briefly, Rudy and Nas only were briefly. 
Um, I don't have the exact minutes in front of me, but it wasn't much. So there's a couple of things at play here. One, obviously the Wolves have been in it all along to make Rudy and Cat work together. And they have to. There's no choice. You're paying them both max money. They should be your two best players on the team today. Um, I know Anthony Edwards exists and is awesome, but like today coming into the season, you'd have to say that Towns and Gobert are in a vacuum, the best players on the roster, right? Uh, They're the ones who've been there, done that all NBA teams, the whole thing. So yeah, you got to make that work. Now you throw in Nas who the Timberwolves did chose not to trade at the deadline, which, which I thought was the correct move because you, I mean, Towns didn't come back until March 22nd. So uh, if you don't have Nas Reed, you're probably not in the position you're in now. Um, the Nas offseason contract conversation, that's another one. And it's one uh, another conversation that we for sure will have on the show um, as we get into the offseason. I, I want to talk quite a bit, actually, about the Nas thing is going to be a huge question. But that's a conversation for another day. Regardless of status for next year, Right now, the Timberwolves' best chance to win is obviously getting the best players on the floor. And as long as you can make it work, and Finch acknowledges he has to make it work. He has to play Finch, Towns, Gobert. Basically, two of the three of them have to be on the floor for the vast majority of the game. I would say 40-plus of the 48 minutes at this stage. If Nas is playing this well, and to be clear, there's sometimes matchups that aren't advantageous for Nas, and he can kind of get picked on sometimes defensively. Offensively, sometimes he, he, he... he, he's a good fit with the second unit because he wants the ball in his hands and, and you know, he's a very good offensive player. So it makes sense, but um, there can be times where Nas can be overextended a little bit, but if he's playing as well as he did against Atlanta, you got to have him on the floor. And Finch did up until the final minute and a half when he put Towns back in, I thought actually Finch played it perfectly, pushed the exact right buttons in the fourth quarter in terms of substitutions against Atlanta. But at any rate, as Finch acknowledges, He's got to find a way to play those guys together. He's got to find a way to play Gobert, Towns, and Nas together, two of the three, the vast majority of the game, in order to give the Wolves their best possible lineup on the floor, their best combination of guys. Um, and so I, what I thought would be interesting is, is looking at this from the Towns angle, because we've done the Nas thing quite a bit and talked talked about his best lineups, but I want to I want to do the Towns thing first and talk about some of his best three-man lineups not just this year, but also going back to last year, where we have a lot more data and a similar roster, uh, similar enough. And actually, I say that even if if literally, like you look at the two rosters, like half the roster from 12 months ago is different. The guys that Towns is going to play with and his best lineups, there's a lot of similarities between last year and this year. And, and it might surprise you. And the reason I want to go three, I do two-man a lot. Three, there's enough, um, It's it's a... Obviously, there's there's another variable, obviously, going two-man to three-man. But I think it tells a little bit more of a story. And considering when it comes to Towns especially, I think that that gives us a little bit more context, right? Um, and I think that's important when it comes to Towns for a couple of reasons. One, because his defensive role shifts quite a bit. And then secondly, because uh, because he is the offense when he's on the floor. Even when he's on the floor with Anthony Edwards, like Cat primarily is the focal point, at least for much of last year he was. And, and again, we're looking at this year and last year's data. So looking at this season thus far, 
And, you know, Cat only played in, what, 21 games, and then he played in one this week, so 22 total games. Looking at his best three-man lineups this season and, and taking out anything, any, like, uh, I took out any lineups that he was a part of for less than 10 minutes so far this season, and I only did 10 because of the limited playing time. Like, his actually, his lineup, Towns' lineup, where he's played the most with anybody, he has a couple lineups over 400 minutes, and that's going back to the beginning of the season. But what I decided to do was even look at the small samples, because all the guys he's of all the lineups where he's played a ton of minutes with like D'Angelo Russell's not on the team anymore. And he's like in most of those. So the only lineup, I mean, in fact, most of these three mans we're going to look at are under a hundred minutes. So his best three man lineup that he's been part of this season is Carlton Towns with Jordan McLaughlin and Kyle Anderson has a plus 39.6 net rating in 43 minutes, which is Obviously, a small-ish sample size. McLaughlin didn't play due to illness on Wednesday, so we're talking about the early part of the season. Anderson, Towns, and McLaughlin. Okay? His next best lineup is Jordan McLaughlin and Anthony Edwards with Carl Anthony Towns, a plus 27.9. And this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, Towns only has one other lineup in his top 20 that includes Anthony Edwards, and that's with Towns... Jalen Noel and Anthony Edwards is a plus 10.1 net rating. His only other three man that includes Edwards is Towns, McLaughlin, and Edwards, a plus 27.9. Pretty interesting. If you, And again, I'm talking about not minutes wise, but his best lineups in terms of net rating. Um, only two of the top 20 include Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, two, of the, two of Towns' top 20 lineups, to be very, very clear. Um, so I thought that that was pretty fascinating. His third best lineup is with McLaughlin again. So his top three are Jordan McLaughlin and Carl Anthony Towns. The first one was with Kyle Anderson. The second one with Anthony Edwards. The third one is with Jalen Noel, a plus 26.7. Now hold that thought. I want to get back to Jalen Noel and Carl Anthony Towns. Talked about this a little bit in the offseason. If you're a long-time listener to the, to the show, you know that I, I spent some time this offseason talking about Noel's potential in the offense this year. I've, I've been a little bit off base because he he started out hot and had such a terrible stretch, and now he's been hurt. But the Towns-Noel chemistry and synergy, really, I think is very real. So I want to talk a little more about that and then compare these lineups to last season's Towns three-man lineups. And then we'll close the show here today with a, uh, a look at the Golden State Warriors matchup Sunday in, in what's a uh, just a huge matchup when it comes to the Western Conference playoffs. We're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The player of the week is absolutely Carl Anthony Towns, coming back after a 52-game absence, scoring 22 points, four rebounds, uh, a couple of assists, game-tying and go-ahead free throws in the final seconds to beat the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, absolutely brilliantly, brilliantly fierce. Carl Anthony Towns was on Wednesday, stunningly powerful in the post. He actually posted up a lot more than we saw earlier this season. It was elegantly powerful in the, in the post. Um, and, and the best way to describe both Carl Anthony Towns and the atmosphere and target center when Towns both made his return at the start of the game. And then at the end of the game, when Towns was pumping up the crowd, making game saving plays, hitting the game time to go ahead free throws was absolutely electric. Just like the 2023 Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV, the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. 
All right, so Towns' three-man lineups. As mentioned a moment ago, his best three three-man lineups are all with Jordan McLaughlin. So Towns, McLaughlin, Kyle Anderson. Towns, McLaughlin, Anthony Edwards. Towns, McLaughlin, Jalen Noel. Let's look at last year's. Carl Thiddy Towns' best three-man lineup last season, Towns, McLaughlin, Jalen Noel. This season, in 56 minutes, it's a plus 26.7. Last season, and this is crazy, in 102 minutes, 26.7. The exact same net rating this season in 56 minutes over 13 games compared to last season, 102 minutes over 23 games, which is, the, this is actually really crazy the more I think about it, uh, <laughs> that it's exactly the same net rating. And the initial reaction that I had was like, oh, they must have been fantastic defensively uh, because of, well, no, actually, let's get back to the defensive thing. I guess you wouldn't think that with Noel. I'm mixing that with the uh, the uh, McDaniels lineup we'll talk about in a minute. But actually, that lineup ha- was good defensively. Towns, McLaughlin, and Noel this year together have a defensive rating of 89.8. And Towns and Noel are not exactly known for their defense. Um, of course, who else is on the floor matters in that instance. Uh, but still, Towns, McLaughlin, Noel, a fantastic trio in relatively limited minutes last season and this season. But the Towns and Noel thing, remember, the Wolves' best two-man pairing total of any, of you know, including any players last season on the floor was Towns and Noel. They have a synergy. Noel plays well in pick and pop, pop game. Um, I The way I always describe Jalen Noel's game, and I, I've felt less this way recently, at least since he started struggling, you know, December-ish time frame, um, it's kind of like a D'Angelo Russell-Anthony Edwards hybrid is the way that Jalen Noel plays. Um, he is athletic, more athletic than D'Angelo Russell, not as much as Anthony Edwards. He could score at all three levels like both of those guys. The way he scores in the mid-range is much more D'Lo. He's not quite as good of a passer as D'Lo, uh, but at least until recently, I would say he was a better passer than Ant. I think maybe Ant has uh, challenged that. Um, you know, he's he's a subpar defender, much more like D'Lo. The, the, just the way he plays, his feel for the game, kind of a, a, a shoot first, a little bit of an undersized shooting guard who can also run pick and roll, initiate some offense, but is miscast as a point guard. There's some similarities there to D'Lo, although I think he's a little more dynamic when he goes all the way to the basket, right? Like he can get to the rim, not with the athleticism of Ant, but much more comfortably than D'Angelo Russell ever has been able to. So um, it's an interesting mix in terms of their overall games between D'Lo and Ant. That, that's how I feel about Jalen Noel. And he's he's such a good fit with Carl Anthony Towns. And then you put him on the floor with somebody who's a heady player on both sides of the floor. Jordan McLaughlin takes care of the basketball, can start fast breaks by getting, you know, being a pickpocket himself. It's such a such an interesting trio, McLaughlin, Towns, and Noel. The other thing I want to key, on, key in on with Towns is Jade Mc. Jade McDaniels, especially now that McDaniels has really come into his own. He got his big Sham Sharania five-minute sit-down on Stadium that posted on Thursday. If you missed that, he gave a, a, a nice interview with Shams. Um, that's, I think, well, Shams has it on his Twitter feed, but go find that. Um, McDaniels is getting, this is the start of his moment. Like, at the Wolves hopefully are in the play-in slash playoffs, and we're going to hear and see more of Jade McDaniels on the national stage. Let's talk about that you know, those three-man lineups that include Jade McDaniels. You look at last year, uh, there weren't very many Carlton Towns three-man lineups that were successful with Jade McDaniels. There was one with Josh Akogi that was a plus 9.6. He had a plus 8.8 with Beverly Towns and McDaniels. And then with Malik Beasley, there were plus 6.2. But you look at his top 20 from last year, there's only, um, actually top 25, there's only five that included Jade McDaniels. This year, he's got six, 
and generally they're more successful. Now it's a smaller sample and that's, that's part of the reason why, but Towns, McLaughlin and McDaniels together have a net rating of 20.5. And again, there's Jordan McLaughlin cropping up, um, which is, this is not surprising because J Mac is, is a plus minus and a net rating superstar. But of Towns' top eight lineups, five of them have Jordan McLaughlin. One, two, three, seven, and eight all have Jordan McLaughlin in Towns' top eight three-man lineups. Um, now, the three that don't have Jordan McLaughlin are all actually from Wednesday, so from one game. That's how small the sample is for so much of Towns' stuff. So we could effectively throw those out, although Towns played really well Wednesday. So, I mean, you can't completely throw it out. But in terms of this, the whole season, obviously, it's a tiny sample size. But that's just how good McLaughlin was earlier this season and how good Towns and McLaughlin played together. In fact, you could do the same thing with last year if you want a bigger sample. Remember, Towns' best three-man last year was McLaughlin and Noel. His fourth best included McLaughlin. His fifth best had McLaughlin. And you go on down the line. Like There's a lot of Jordan McLaughlin there last year, too. All that to say, this goes back to the overall bigs rotation. Carlton Towns fits really well with McLaughlin. He fits really well with Jalen Noel. He fits really well with Kyle Anderson. With a healthy Timberwolves team, remember... Kyle Anderson stays on the bench when Anthony Edwards comes back. Like he very likely is coming off the bench now that, you know, Towns is already back in the lineup. So you're talking about Anderson, Noel, McLaughlin. Those are the three guys plus Anthony Edwards who are present in Towns' top three three man lineups. And by the way, his fourth one has Torian Prince in it. Um, now, that, again, that's mostly from Wednesday. But um, I guess what I'm saying is staggering the Wolves lineup so that Towns plays a few more minutes with some bench guys, and you let Nas play next to Rudy, which for the most part worked successfully. Again, depending on matchup, worked pretty successfully to this point in the season without Towns. So Nas comes off the bench, obviously. Towns and Gobert start. Rudy gets the first rest. Then Towns comes in. Perhaps Towns stays in as the bench unit comes all the way back. You know, we're talking like... uh, late first quarter, early second quarter, Towns plays with a bunch of bench guys, gets a rest mid-second quarter, and then can come back at the end of the first half. Nas takes a break. But at that point, you could stagger it. So Nas and Rudy are in together. Towns comes in with the bench unit, plays more with Kyle Anderson, plays more with Jordan McLaughlin, plays more with Jalen Noel. And perhaps you're maximizing Towns' effectiveness because then you can mix and match with Anthony Edwards. And obviously your crunch time lineup is going to have both those guys on the floor. But both Ant and Towns can carry an offense by themselves. They, there should always be one of those two on the floor when they're both healthy. And they could play so well together. And with Ant meshing so well with Kyle Anderson, meshing really well with Mike Conley at this stage, Towns meshes really well with those guys on the bench. So you can really find a creative way for Finch to stagger these guys. And then the Nas thing, I think it just depends on the matchup and how well Nas is playing on any given night. Because, again, Nas can be taken advantage of defensively occasionally. He can also be a little trigger-happy offensively at times, especially from the outside. You know, he's a 33% three-point shooter. Like, it's great that he can do it, but he's a below-league average three-point shooter. So I think you pick your spots with Nas. And if he's playing like he did on Wednesday, absolutely. Find a way to get him in the game. Play him 26, 28 minutes, whatever. But I think on you know, a random night, Nas probably plays 20 minutes. Like he's more of a 20 minute guy than he is a 28 minute guy. Um, and you just find a way to, to, to kind of tier those minutes so that Towns is on the floor with those bench players that he's so successful playing alongside. It's a, it's an unenviable, inenviable, uh, task that Chris Fitch has to try and figure this out. 
Um, but like we're seeing a Timberwolves team that has improved in a number of areas recently, like their three point shooting has gotten better. And this is probably a topic for another day, but three point percentage has improved. Rebound rate has gotten better on the defensive end of the floor. The Wolves are actually up to 26th in defensive rebound rate, which is still bad, but they were 29th for much of the season. They were stuck on 28th for a long time. They're now 26th. We're seeing them compete in the paint. We're seeing them compete on the glass and having Carlton Towns back in the fold will only help in those areas. Um, and the Wolves now have three legitimate bigs that they can cycle through, mix and match, and play bigger more comfortably than basically any other team in the league. And that's such an advantage. Um, and I get that it might get more, it will get more difficult in the playoffs. But uh, if your bigs are playing well, that's a tough thing to deal with if you're an opponent. I mean, those Utah Jazz teams did not have Carl Anthony Towns. We talked about this earlier this year. He's If you really want to, like, be really crude with the comparison, you know, the Conley thing and the Gobert thing, like fine. But, uh, you know, you know, jazz central or jazz, I guess, East, if you want to call it that. I mean, Carlton Towns is like a souped up, a souped up version of Boyan Bogdanovich, right? I mean, essentially that role, but you could do anything with him. And Bogdanovich is a really good player, but Towns is, is unbelievable offensively. Um, So fine. I mean, call it that, but, the Jazz were still a pretty good team, right? Um, all right, that's a conversation for another day. We'll get into that as we get closer to the playoffs for sure. I do want to spend a few minutes previewing Wolves Warriors, so we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. We're always throwing away throwing money at something. Kids' school supplies, a new house project, the list goes on. It's time to stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight that you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of last year, at the end of 2022, than the beginning of this year due to inflation. Or excuse me, than the beginning of last year due to inflation. You could earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta, or even more depending on how much you use Ibotta. Ibotta gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too. When you start with Ibotta, that includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Store Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, the Two Wolves are now in the midst of a nice three-day break. And remember, they played more games still than basically any team in the league. Um, actually, I think two more games than Golden State after play or two more games in Dallas after play on Wednesday. So the Wolves are off Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They play Golden State on Sunday. That game is at Golden State. And it is a, uh, what is it? A 7.30 central tip on NBA TV. The Warriors play Friday night at home against Philadelphia. They're starting a four game homestand after a long five game road trip. Golden State is. And recently the Wolves and Warriors have kind of done the same thing over the last five games. Golden State lost three straight and then they've won their last two. The Timberwolves also lost three straight, have won their last two. Prior to that, the Warriors had played a little bit better. They've gotten healthier. Gary Payton II is supposed to come back soon. Um, the Timberwolves, of course, obviously have gotten healthier as well. 
So, um, pretty interesting matchup on Sunday, to say the least. Like, taking a look at the standings, like, as I'm recording this, Thunder and Clippers are playing there at halftime. The only other games Thursday night that would affect the Western Conference, the Pelicans won. Um, New Orleans is still, actually, they're tied now with the Lakers for the 10 spot in the West and with the Mavs, actually. So, the Mavs, Lakers, and Pels are all tied at 9, 10, and 11 with the same record and only a half game behind the Timberwolves. So as good as everyone feels about the Wolves at the moment, I get it, but the Wolves are a half game ahead of the team that is out of the playoffs in the Pelicans. Now, the Wolves have the tiebreaker over the Thunder, the Mavericks, the Lakers, the Clippers, um, and if they beat the Warriors Sunday, they'll have split that tiebreaker. So it's an important game from that perspective as well. I believe they're one and one against the Pelicans. I'm going to make sure that that's true. I believe they're one and one against the Pelicans with one to come. Um, in the final game of the season. So that could be interesting if New Orleans gets hot. Of course, uh, a lot still injury-wise for New Orleans to worry about. Uh, yeah, that's true. The Timberwolves and Pelicans have split their two games so far. So the last game of the season could determine that tiebreaker if perhaps that ends up mattering. Uh, but anyway, Wolves-Warriors on Sunday. I actually, like, this is an important game again to, to make sure they don't lose the tiebreaker. If they lose the game, they lose the tiebreaker. If they win it, there is, you know, they're split the season series two to two with the Warriors. Um, I actually don't hate the matchup for the Wolves. I think the Wolves match up okay with Golden State. I mean, obviously, nobody really matches up well against Steph Curry, but the matchup, grand scheme of things, isn't terrible. Like, you know, matchup-wise in the West, I'd say the Wolves' best matchups are uh, OKC, Dallas, I'd say the Clippers, uh, obviously the Lakers and maybe even the Kings. I don't mind the Kings as a matchup for the Wolves. Denver's a bad matchup. Memphis is a bad matchup. They're also really good teams. Phoenix is a terrible matchup. Um, but I would put the Warriors in like a, a medium category. Like it's really not all that bad for Minnesota. The last time these two teams played, Golden State won by five. Not only did the Wolves not have Carl Anthony Towns, they also didn't have Rudy Gobert. And this was shortly after the trade deadline. So they did have Mike Conley. No Gobert. Nas started at center and had 30 points, nine rebounds, five steals, three assists in this game. Um, a fantastic Nas game. Nobody else scored more than 12 points, though, for the Wolves. Anthony Edwards had just 12 points at 19 shots, had five turnovers, was a really bad Anthony Edwards game. And uh, the Wolves lost by five. Minnesota did beat them in overtime. I think it was in December. And, of course, no towns in that game either. The Wolves won in overtime, going all the way back. It was one of the last games the Wolves played before Towns got hurt in November. The Wolves lost at home to Golden State then. So down 1-2 in the season series, but all three have been relatively hard-fought games. And I guess the first one was a little bit of a Golden State blowout. But all, but for the most part, the Wolves have played well. They've dealt decently well with Steph Curry. Um, now, I should also say the, the game that they lost, that they lost by five, nobody go bare. Also, no Steph Curry for the Warriors. Now, Clay Thompson played and had 32. Jordan Poole played and played decently well against the Wolves. So, like, it's not a, it wasn't a terrible loss. But in general, I actually, like I said, I don't hate the matchup. Golden State is, of course, a fantastic three-point shooting team. They're number one in terms of three-point attempts per game. They're number three if you account for pace, so three-point rate. The Warriors are third. They're number three in percentage. They shoot over 38% as a team. They're also dead last in free throw rate. They don't shoot a lot of twos. They don't get into the paint. They don't get to the line. They're dead last in free throw rate. They're dead last in free throw attempts per game. And that is helpful for a team like the Wolves that struggles to avoid committing fouls. Um, Minnesota is still 29th in personal fouls per game. They they commit 20, almost 22 personal fouls per game. They're 24th 
in defensive free throw rate, meaning they only six teams give up less free throws per field goal attempt than the Wolves do. So the Wolves still foul too much. They put the opponent on the line. They get into the penalty too often. Um, but against the Warriors, that matters less because they don't have guys that are seeking, you know, hunting free throws. Like Jordan Poole would be the closest thing probably. And obviously Steph does Steph things, but that's kind of it. Like nobody else on this team is, is they don't have a Trey Young. They don't have a, you know, DeMar Rosen or whoever that's just trying to get in there and draw fouls uh, from anywhere on the floor. Um, DeMar Rosen was a random example. I guess I was just thinking of teams the Wolves just played. Uh, but that should bode well for Jaden McDaniels trying to stay out of foul trouble. I think that that's super important. Um, Ant hopefully is back. He was questionable the last three games. Now he'll have nine days after the sprained ankle. Perhaps he plays Sunday. That gives you another perimeter defender. The Wolves could switch everything against Golden State. You can't play drop against Steph Curry. Um, he's better than Trey Young, as it turns out. You just can't, like, I didn't like it against Trey. You can't do it against Steph. Uh, I think you just got to switch everything and try and keep Towns out of those actions, try and keep Gobert as much as possible out of those actions, and just try and and put length out there um, and dare them to beat you with some of their bigs, um, which, you know, if you have Towns and Gobert on the floor, like, you should win that matchup, right? Like, you should be able to beat Kevon Looney and and uh, Draymond Green and some of these guys like James Wiseman, at least muck things up for them, make Steph Curry shoot over Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and, and uh, Torian Prince and these guys that have more length and athleticism that can make things difficult for him. I, I think that's probably what the Wolves do. They may try some of the high wall blitzing stuff we saw them do with Nas on the floor against the Hawks on Wednesday. Of course, what they did for much of last season. Um, but again, the, the matchup's not awful. It's such an important game. It's a difficult game. The Wolves have the rest advantage, but the Warriors are are have the travel advantage in that it's their second game of a long homestand um, and are coming off playing Friday. So like the rest advantage is pretty negligible. I don't know that it really matters here, uh, but a really, really interesting matchup, an important game. And of course, at this point, everything's important for the Wolves. And looking beyond that, the Wolves actually have to play the very next night at Sacramento, which the Wolves aren't likely to catch the Kings. They aren't going to catch the Kings in the West. So, you know, between the two, the Golden State game, I guess, is slightly more important, but it's also important. And this is such a tough road trip. Golden State, Sacramento, Phoenix on Wednesday for an ESPN game. Um, they've got to they've got to win two out of three. They've got to win two out of three here. Um, and, and you wonder, you know, do the Wolves steal another day for Ant? Do they just give him Sunday off? I don't think so. I think he'll play. Um, but maybe if they win Sunday, they give him Monday off at, at Sacramento and just say, hey, you know, we avoided the Warriors getting this tiebreaker over us. Ant, rest your ankle. Come back Wednesday against Phoenix. It's another team, you know, we uh, have a shot at catching, um, kind of, sort of, in the Western Conference. The Wolves are what? Yeah, two games behind Phoenix for the four seed. Like, as crazy as this is, you're not catching the Kings. The Phoenix game is that much more important, right? Slightly more important. Um at any rate, we'll do the live postcast on Sunday night with Marty. She'll be back after Wolves Warriors, so that'll be about 45 minutes after the final horn. We'll uh, we'll talk all things Wolves Warriors after the fact. We'll do the postgame pod on Monday morning, break down the game in detail. So all that's upcoming, a huge week ahead, a huge West Coast road trip. Get excited. It's basically playoff basketball at this point. Um, so, you know, big week ahead. A big thank you to those that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's greatly appreciated. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube and also all of your 
favorite audio platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now you can make your second listen the Game to Game NBA podcast every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.